God. Genesis chapter 2, I've been doing a series on biblical foundations, and we started it here about eight weeks ago, and uh, today uh, the Lord had put upon my heart several weeks ago, I looked at freedom. Today we're going to look at the idea of fruit from the scriptures. There's about 285 references, I looked at all references in the context of those, uh, of those verses this week, and uh, it revealed some amazing principles and truths from the scripture. It took quite, it was quite the study and, um, in looking at this. But in the context of these references, I have to say it makes evident what God is doing here, what we'll see in Genesis chapter 2. You're presented in life with a choice of what, how, you, how you live your life. You know, Lord created this very orderly and logical world. It's a very orderly place. When you think about creation, you think about certain uh, insects, wasps and bees and others that pollinate particular specific plants. That plant wouldn't live without that animal and that animal wouldn't live without that plant. God created an incredibly orderly place. It's a divine design. It is not by evolution. In 1 Corinthians 14.33, For God is not the author of confusion, but but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. He is a God of order, and he is organized, and he's orderly, and he makes it clear on how to approach him. He, makes it, he gives us a path of life to follow. He tells us how to deal with varying types of relationships. All of these truths reveal a God who desires our lives to bear much fruit. But what is fruit? What does the Bible say about the fruit that I'm producing in my life? Do you realize that in the very DNA of fruit, there's written a code for the multiplication of that plant? And you find it in little seeds, right? Apple seeds, watermelon seeds, so on and so forth. You find the DNA of that, of that plant, or whatever you call it, is written into that tiny little seed. So that that plant can perpetuate for generations on end. And we can continue to consume it and enjoy it. You see, creation desires life. But how do I select a path that is going to help me to yield the sweetest and most desirable crop? You see, even a disorderly approach unto God, it results in his displeasure and judgment. 1 Chronicles 15, 13 says, For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. If we approach God in a haphazard, lackadaisical, whimsical way. We don't approach God in just a lighthearted manner. We come before God as the almighty creator, holy God that he is, the Savior Jesus Christ. Now, when it comes to farming, particularly fruit orchards and vineyards, there are specific actions that are necessary to be taken. There are many people, even professing Christians, that have lives that are a mess. And they blame God for the mess that they're in but they don't ever consider the fruit that they planted in their life that is now coming to harvest. They've lived in a certain pattern of way, and now it's producing fruit that they don't like to see. So as we think upon this concept of fruit and the principles of Scripture that are drawn out from its pages, I trust that you'll consider the crop of your life's work. The outcomes from the choices you make. This is going to be a several-part series. I've got about 26 pages here. So we're not going to finish it all this morning. 
I had about 36 pages and 285 references to go through this week, so we've got a little bit of time. But if you present the crop of your life from the choices you have made, I want to ask you the question, is it pleasing to God? If we live our life in a way that is not in accordance with the, the, the Scriptures and what God has established, the ethics and the morals of Scriptures, then there's going to be increased hurt and the briars of life to hurt us. There's going to be increased shame. But here's the truth. It is never too late to allow God to redirect your crop selection and to start sowing some fruit that will be to your benefit and not your detriment. And we must choose a crop of godliness and not of selfishness. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time, and then I'm gonna, we're going to delve into this. This is an exciting study, and uh, it's something that has been very encouraging and challenging to myself. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, and, and Father, I thank you for the great privilege, the principles that you've shown us in our lives, how to have a fulfilled life. Lord, how to finish our days in a way that is pleasing to you and to know that we've done our best. Have I done my best for the Master? And Lord, I pray as we study this principle of fruit, that God, if there is any fruit that we are producing in our life that we know is not correct, what is not proper, that Father, we would make it right. We repent and get right with you and then begin to follow the formula that you've given for us to bear fruit for eternity. So, Father, I come before thy holy throne. God, I'm asking you to help me as I preach your word. These are not mine, but yours. And so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage your people. You'd challenge them. And if there's anyone here today that is lost, and they're not certain of where they're going to spend eternity, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. They'd call out to Jesus, forgive them of all their sins, and save them. So God, I can't do it. I'm asking you to help me. You do the work, and I'll be your vessel. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. First start off as we look at the fundamentals of fruit. What is fruit? <laughs> so I looked it up, and uh, I found this website, gardeningknowhow.com, and um, it gave a definition, right? Fruits are the reproductive organs reproduced by flowering plants that contain seeds. So a fruit is basically an enlarged ovary that develops after the flower has been pollinated. The seeds develop and the extraneous parts of the flower drop off, leaving the immature fruit which gradually ripens. Then we eat it. This description encompasses nuts as well as many fruits previously <laughs> uh, refer, uh, referred to as vegetables like tomatoes. Fruits consist of an outer layer called the polypericarp, which encloses the seed of seeds. Some fruits have a fleshy, juicy pericarp. Others have dry pericarps, and these include nuts and milkweed pods. Simply put, there are two common types of fruit classifications, those that are fleshy and those that are dry. Then there are subdivisions under each of those categories. So what is this fruit? Now, if you want to think about it from a, a spiritual perspective, in Philippians 1.22, I'm going to look at a number of passages here. There are two types of fruit that you are producing in your life. Look with me at Philippians chapter 1, verse 22. I want to take you, we're going to have, there's a lot of references here. But, um, so you ask, you know, and really, the fruit that we're producing is to whom we're affecting. 
right? Whom we're affecting and how I'm living my life. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 22, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I want not. I don't know. He's saying, listen, if I live in the flesh, if I live for my emotions, if I live for what makes me feel good, if I live for the here and now, and I live without an eye on eternity, and just for myself, kind of the follow-your-heart type mentality. He's saying, listen, this is the fruit of my flesh, but what comes of that? What kind of fruit did I get? He's saying, you don't know what it's going to be. Have you ever had times where maybe you've started out with a group of friends only to realize that group of friends that you're with are not good friends, and you end up getting yourself in trouble, and you're thinking, how in the world did I ever get here? Right? You didn't realize the the, the consequence of your actions. You sowed to the flesh and you reaped consequences that you didn't know. Look with me at Romans 1.13. Another time it talks about this idea of what is fruit. These... uh, I'm trying to lay some foundation here for you to think about how we're living our life, and the consequences that come from our actions and our decisions, it produces some sort of fruit, if you would, if you want to think about it as an analogy. So if I've been living for myself, I'm going to get some fruit that when I consume it or I look at it, I'm like, ugh, (laughs) it's not what I wanted it to be. In Romans 1.13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren... That oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, but I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he's saying, listen, you are my fruit. I've affected you. I've given you the gospel. I've given you the truths of God. And you go forth and you serve God. You know what, the investment that uh, even during this period of time now is bearing fruit to, you know, to my labors for God, right? Is <laughs> you take these truths and you have an opportunity to go forth and serve God. So I've worked and, and you know, sown and, and worked in, in giving out a message. You work and you talk with coworkers and family members and, and you begin to live your life for Jesus Christ. You, if they start living for Christ and they look back and they say, hey, it's because of, you know, you invested your life into me, that's a fruit. So other people that you impact, you're making fruit. You're either making fruit for good or you're making fruit for bad. If you're all grouchy and, you know, uh, just difficult to be around, then the fruit that you're bearing is people like, stay away if you don't want to be grouchy like them. Right? You want to know something else that affects us and produces fruit? In Jeremiah 6, 19, how you think affects what you produce in others and in yourself. Jeremiah 6, 19, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened to my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. So the fact is, in the fruit, what is this fruit, what is this seed, is that Israel, in their thoughts, God was not in a consideration. As we talked about in the Sunday school hour, uh, as Solomon is dedicating the temple, he's saying, God, if we've sinned and we pray to you and we confess our sins and we pray towards the temple, God, would you please forgive us of our sins? 
and an understanding that with bad thoughts come bad consequences. If you neglect God, you're n- and, and then in a bad position, oftentimes I, I hear people say, you know, can you pray for me? And I'm like, sure, I'll pray for you. But if you're not willing to make it right with God, I can pray all day long, but you're going to sow the seeds of what you've produced. Because you've neglected the God who is the, who, to whom you need. He's the very, he gives you the DNA that you need to produce the right fruit. But if you're away from the wrong, right DNA and you're back towards the DNA of the flesh, you're going to produce fleshly fruit. Now there are two types of spiritual fruit. Look with me at 1 Peter 1.23. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, <clears throat> says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What is he saying? There's a fleshly seed, and there's an eternal seed. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now he's talking about the fact that we don't become a Christian based upon fleshly deeds. We become a Christian because of the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. And I ask him in faith to forgive me and be my Savior. It's not that I'm doing it in my good works to become a believer. It's my faith. He plants it in an incorruptible, being born again, not of corruptible seed. There's nothing that I did that merited God saying, you're a child of God. It's incorruptible. Because it's corruptible. If I'm doing it, I'm corruptible. But if Jesus did it, then it's incorruptible. And the fact is, we must be sure to select the seed of the master. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy in the evil way. And the froward mouth do I hate. Verse 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit, the fruit of wisdom of God, is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. You can read the rest of the passage there for for further context, but the fact is, I wisdom, my fruit, the wisdom, the fruit of wisdom is better than gold. The wisdom of God is better than the most, the best high-paying job you'll ever receive in life. The high-paying job of life is only while you're living here, but the wisdom of God will exceed this life into eternity. So you select the seed of the master that you want to follow. Do I want to select the seed of the master of the present here and now? Or do I want to live my life for the eternal God? Do I want his seeds? Do I want the fruit that he wants to give me? You see, this is a fruit, the wisdom fruit, right, is pleasing to God 
but but a lifestyle that is opposite of that for the wealth and the revenue and the choice silver is abhorrent to God. Do you realize that a, if you look in Isaiah 57, 19, I'll read it here for you, but a God-pleasing life will be evidenced by what and how you and I speak. You realize in Isaiah 57, 19, I create, God saying, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. Where does peace and and that truth, where does that gentleness come out of your mouth? It comes from the Lord. If you want to have the fruit of your mouth and a lifestyle, a conversation, a discussion of how you speak, you have to have a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. This lifestyle is not merely the physical. There is a life that is concerned for the spiritual. Look with me at Micah chapter 6, verse 6. One of the minor prophets there. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Jonah, Micah. All right, Micah chapter 6, verse 6. You know, we can question why things are happening in our lives. Why certain circumstances? Why do I feel like, you know, everything's falling in on me? Why, why, why? And instead of always asking why and saying, I've prayed to God and God doesn't hear me and God, you know what? Rather than, why do we always blame God so quickly? We're sowing a lot of seeds in our life by who we invest in, how we invest in others, how we give of our time. We're sowing these seeds. And when we reap them or harvest them, then we're like, I didn't plant these seeds. If you plant corn and you expect watermelon, you're delusional. It's not going to happen. Unless someone gave you, you know, like the one in 50 trillionth chance that maybe somehow that package of corn that says it by that manufacturer is going to be watermelons. I mean, I I don't even know, you know, like unlimited. (laughs) You're not going to get corn. You're not going to get watermelon if you plant corn. You're just not going to do that. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty positive. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. Micah chapter 6, verse 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's saying, listen, what if I give, self, what if I give a sacrifice of a calf every year? What if I give uh, anointing of oil? What if I even sacrifice my firstborn child? Will God be pleased? You know, oftentimes we think that I can give up some routine prayers, I can give up some time to read the Bible, and somehow God's going to be pleased with it. Look with me at verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? It's a lifestyle of humbly walking with God. It's not about all of these religious rituals that we may go through. It's do you have an abiding relationship with God? Do you realize that God's fruit is Song of Solomon 2.3? Now, Song of Solomon is written between a husband and a wife, and it is, uh, it's pretty detailed. I, 
uh, it's a magnificent, it's a, quite a romantic letter. But as the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. But you think about it, in the analogy here of God as a, as a husband, it's sweet to the taste. Now, obviously, in the context, it's here of a husband's love. You realize also with something about fruit is there's different classifications. Fruit varieties are further classified depending upon their seed dispersal method. When you think about the dispersal of seed, how do you and I disperse our seed? Look with me at Hebrews 13, 15. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God when? Continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The dispersal of the fruit comes in my speech. Proverbs 13, 2, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. How you talk affects your crop. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21, look with me here. I told you there was a lot of references. If you'd like to go back and get into these references, they are, this is being recorded, and you can always find this online. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 So I want to ask you, how do you speak? How do you speak to others? How do you speak to your neighbor, your co-worker, your family, your friends, your enemies? Matthew, excuse me, in Proverbs 18, verse 20, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What you're sowing, you're going to reap. If you're sowing harsh words, you're sowing discontentment and criticism and pain, you're going to reap that back. It's coming back against you. But you want to know something? So often we as believers, we like to think that you know, I, I look at the Bible and I look at God and I just think, man, God is all about killing the fun. God doesn't want, you, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not. I mean, we look at that and we think, wow, I can't have that. But yet, when the bad times come, we're like, God, why'd you do this? He's like, listen, I didn't do it, you did. You allowed it. You planted that seeds. You neglected me. And now you're getting it and you don't like it. You know what happens when we, when we receive of God? Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 1. I was thinking about this. What kind of seed does God give to us? If I'm following God, what kind of seed do I receive? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 23. 
Now, I'm asking a lot of questions here because I want us to think about our life and how we live and what's being produced. Is your life at your home, is it a place of peace and contentment? Is it a place of joy and rest when you come home? Or is it a place where there is conflict, there's fighting, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's name-calling, you name it, it's a place of unrest. And it's not because, you know, he hit me, she looked at me, kind of like a little kid type excuse. There's something that you're doing in that house to help perpetuate the wrong direction of that home. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 23. And the saying pleased me well, and I took ten, twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up into the mountain and came into the valley of Eshel and searched it out. So Joshua uh, sends out, or Moses sends out twelve spies, excuse me. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands, so they're here in the promised land, and brought it down unto us and brought word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. I want you to understand When God gave to Israel the promised land, he gave them the best. He gave them a place that was wonderful soil for growing. God gave them the best. And you know what the fruit that we can produce in our life is the best if I'm willing to plant the seeds that God wants me to plant. You want to know something also, and again, getting back to this idea, if you're planting corn, you expect corn. If you plant apple trees, you expect apple trees. If you plant cherry trees, you expect cherry trees and so forth. You know what God did in Genesis chapter 1 verse 11? Look with me here. Fruit reproduces after its kind. Humans have human babies. Right? Produces after like kind. We don't have these furries. That's craziness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So God created into the DNA that you reproduce after your kind. Each species reproduces. Now look, in Matthew chapter 12, I want you to notice with me, if we, what we're sowing, we're going to produce after our kind. Matthew 12. I'm checking to make sure you get some familiarity with your scriptures. So those pages that maybe you haven't looked at for a while, we're going to be looking at them here this morning. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Jesus tells us, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else to make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, he's speaking to religious leaders. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. If your heart is evil, if your heart is not right with God, you're not going to get good and godly fruit. You're not going to get it. If you're not right with God, how are you going to produce the peace and the joy and the love? And I'll talk about that later. But you're not going to. The condition of your heart is going to be produced in the seed that you produce. 
So at the innermost part of that seed is a code written for the perpetuation and the multiplication of that plant. And at the core of our nature is written the code for multiplication. What enters your heart as seed is sown will produce the fruit of the DNA of that which entered your heart. What I mean by that is what you're watching and what you're looking at and all of that and what comes out of your mouth is produce your sowing seed in the lives of others. Because what's coming out of your heart, if it's corrupt in your heart, it's producing corruption. It's not producing life. What you sow, you will harvest. Hosea 10, 13. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. What is God saying? Listen, I'm gonna, you're going to reap what you sow. That's the principle of Scripture. God's saying, listen, you want to live for yourself? You're going to get the consequences of living for yourself. Spiritually speaking, that which you follow will produce after its kind. Look with me at Matthew chapter 7. You find yourself still there. We'll be continuing this this evening, and we'll also probably be next Sunday as well. It'll be a several part there, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. I, I just want to lay this, I want you to think about this in your mind, and, and I might be repeating the same statement because I'm trying to, to just lay this foundation of what is fruit, what is the seeds that I'm planting. As I said, the seed is that which is coming out of my heart, uh, the, you know, that very DNA of what's coming out, it, it's affecting, it creates effect in other people around me. In Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their what? Their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their Fruits, ye shall know them. This is where doctrine matters. Wrong doctrine produces bad fruit. That's why having right doctrine of the Word of God is so important. Now Jesus would say more on that, and there's more that could be said, but I, but I, I just want you to understand what you're putting into your heart and what you believe and how you live your life, it's going to produce something in your life. And if it's not of God, there is this whimsical idea that all roads lead to God or it doesn't matter how you approach God or it doesn't, you know, I can worship God this way and I can worship God this way. What does God say is worship? And if we don't do it God's way, we're going to get things that are not of God. We're going to produce things. You know, the friends you connect with and the family whom you spend time with, they determine your direction in life. If you follow false biblical teaching, it produces a fruit which is otherwise than good. 
And our actions are product of that which is planted. There's this big idea today, approach God however you want. We approach him as this idea of a little stuffed doll, a buddy Jesus doll, which is blasphemous. But this idea that I can approach Jesus however I want, he's my buddy. No, he's the savior, he's the creator, he's my God. He's the one that I give my holy, that, that I give my honor to. and the, He's the one to be glorified. It's all about him. I don't approach him in this casual, flippant action. You approach an idol in that way, but you don't approach a thrice holy God that way. You approach him in that lackadaisical fashion, and you're going to get some consequences when you're like, oh, I'll just pray to God and he'll fix it. No, he won't. You're going to get some justice that you don't like. Our actions are a product of that which is planted. You follow false teachers. You follow false doctrine. You follow churches that might call themselves Christian, but their doctrine is unbiblical. You're going in a direction, and you will get unbiblical fruit. And we're seeing that all around us in churches today. The very seed of the fruit tells us that fruit dies. That seed goes into the ground, a picture of death, That code is written, and that seed will produce something. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, in saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. You know what? There's a code written in that seed to reproduce itself. You don't expect a different crop crop than what you've sown. 1 Corinthians 9.11 If we have sown into you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Paul's saying, listen, we have sown spiritual into you. We don't expect carnality. We don't expect you to be living for yourself. We don't expect the fruit of all the... You know, carnality is this idea of, you know, your selfishness and... I can put God in a little box and he fits my life, my way, and I'll do it, you know, kind of have it your way, the Burger King way of God. It doesn't work that way. If we are perpetually living in contradiction to the truths of the Bible and doing life our way, we, and anticipating a different result, we are being as silly as a dreamer farmer who plants corn and expects watermelons. And this fruit in our lives, is to be cultivated and managed by man. You know, in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Your actions of life, and that which you perpetually participate, cultivates the seed you have planted in your heart. So if I am continually rejecting God, and I am continually... Uh, putting into myself things that are ungodly, I'm cultivating carnality. I'm cultivating that ground so that it will produce carnal fruit. Right? But if I'm... So again, what you're allowing in your life, you're cultivating, you're, you're, working, that, you're working that soil and you're trying to keep it to, to move... You might not be, you know... Uh, adverse, you know, uh, overtly trying to do this. But the fact is, you're cultivating something in your life to produce a fruit. It takes time. 
And sure, you can live for the moment right now. You can live for the party. You can live for that one-night stand. You can live for the hit or the drunkenness or live for something and get, but you're going to get out of that something down the road that is undesirable. You're cultivating soil of living for yourself and you get something down here where you get an increased heartache, you get increased problems, maybe physical issues or something happens. How did I get here? I love God. I love Jesus. No, you don't. You've been cultivating to yourself for so long and now you're producing, reaping the fruit that you've been cultivating. Psalm 107, 37, as God's people seek him, we begin to cultivate a crop that is pleasing to him. And sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. The thing is, is if you're seeking God, you're cultivating that which is going to produce of God. If I'm putting God as a priority, I'm cultivating that soil of saying, God, I just want to know you. And it's not just in this emotional fervor of a moment in the music, it's as a way of life. I want to cultivate that soil so that God is honored. You see, the fruit from God was meant to supply nutrients to other beings. Look with me at Genesis 1.29. You know what? God, is, God has created us to produce fruit. God has created us to have an impact upon others. God has created fruit to, to supply us with nutrients. I mean, I love a good apple. I, I like, my wife made me yesterday a mango salsa. It was really good. She put some jalapenos in there, and man, it spiced it up. It was good, but I liked it. I mean, I ate it with some chips, and whew, it was a little warm, but it was good. I, I like those mangoes. It, it supplied some nutrients. It, it was kind of a part of my lunch. I, I enjoyed it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So fruit is to supply the temporary nutrients to the consumer. Now we continually need to eat different types of food. I mean, I can't just eat one mango and be supplied for life. I, I, I mean, I would... Not last very long, but as you can see, I've definitely eaten a few, <laughs> and we need a healthy diet. But what you feast upon, it determines your health. And what you place in your life will determine your spiritual health. And you know what? What I'm, produ what I'm cultivating in my life is going to be feeding other people. It's going to be impacting other people around me. How I cultivate for God. It's going to impact others for God. Now, some people might say, I don't want any part of your God. Get lost. Well, okay, but you're still impacting them. Or they might say, I want to know more about this God. You know, there's sometimes individuals I'm around, and they said, you know, I just feel, a, you know, after I'm done talking with you, it just feels like such peace. You know what? We have a spirit about us as we're walking with God, and we're honoring God, and we're and it's not about me, it's all about God. But what I'm saying is, is we cultivate how we affect others. And God has made it that we would be a, a nutrients to other individuals. Now, obviously, we always point them back to Jesus Christ, who is, the, right? He's the light of life. He's the, he, he is who they need. But ultimately, we're pointing them to a fruit to realize that, listen, he's the, the real one. He's the creator, the light of life. And seeds have a body. When you think about this, in 1 Corinthians 15, 36 through 39, 
I think I'll end there. I'll talk about this this evening. I'm only on page six, so we've got a ways to go. But I want to ask you in your life, how is your fruit helping others? How is it proving to be a nutrient for others in your life? Is your life producing the nutrients that are going to draw people to the source of life? Are you producing a seed from carnality because what comes out of your mouth is not pleasing to God? You're living your life in a way that I'll do it my way. I'll do it under my conditions. I'll put God on my timetable. And my friend, when you do that, you have a way of life wherein you're not walking humbly with God. You're simply living life in idolatry. Because if God is not the centerpiece of your life, and He is not the soil that you're planted in, and He is not the fruit with which you're perpetuating yourself, and you're producing that which is of the flesh, then my friend, you're not cultivating the right soil in your life. Because the fruit that is produced in your life that you may look around and how the other people that you've affected and their, uh, how, what they think about life and you know obviously as uh, parents we affect our children as, as leaders we affect those underneath of us we have an effect on other people and if the effect that we're having for them is other than of, of uh, understanding that that person loves Christ and they're ethical and they love God I hate their God I don't like their God but I have to say that their works are good is the fruit I'm producing, produce, is it bringing to God the glory that he deserved? Is it affecting other people to say that I'm going to choose God or I'm going to reject God? The fruit of our life. How you live your life, what you put your priorities upon, what you put your time upon, how you invest in your family, how you invest uh, your finances, it tells where your priorities are and the fruit that you're going to be producing. As I said, the fruit of wisdom or the fruit of materialism, right? The silver and the gold. We can live our lives for that paycheck to pay the bills. We need to pay our bills. I'm not saying quit your job. That would be foolish. But I am saying, are we live, working our job where God wants us to work? Because it is a workplace. It is a, a mission field where you're working. But you're doing it so you can honor God. You can earn what God wants you to have so that you can serve God also outside the workplace and do what he's called you to do. We can't blame God when we've sown to our own self selfishness and a way of life that is inconsistent with Scripture and then blame God for it. It is not until we get right and sometimes maybe fall flat on your face before God, repent of your sins, confess them and say, God, forgive me. I need to make it right and I need to do it your way. 
God created fruit to be a nutrient to others, but I want to ask you, are you being that type of nutrient to draw others to God? So as I come to the time of invitation this evening, where in your life, what kind of fruit are you producing? And you might be saying, it's that person, they're such an ugly person. And I'm not talking about their physical features, but I'm talking about their person. They're such an ugly person. But you don't help if you respond in a way that is not supplying the nutrients of God that they need. Because it's not about you. You have been called as a, to put, produce fruit for God, not for yourself. If I could have Mrs. Pat come forward for the invitation period. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you're not familiar with this, what we do here is we'll have some music play. We'll have heads bowed and eyes closed. And it's just a time to pray and talk with God. And, and maybe as I've been preaching, God's been convicting you of something in your life and you need to make it right. You're welcome to kneel in your pew. You can come up and pray up front. You can pray quietly in your pew. However you see fit, you're welcome to do that. But I want to question your life. What kind of fruit are you producing? As the music plays with heads bowed and eyes closed, I trust that you would just pray and talk with God. If you don't want to pray, you're welcome not to pray. It's just a time of quietness between you and the Lord. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, then the only thing you'll ever produce is a carnal fruit. You must accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, trusting that His death, burial, and resurrection, it paid for all the wrong you've ever done. In simple faith, you ask Him in repentance to forgive you and be your Savior. And my friend, if you'll do that, with the sincerity of your heart, you'll be born again, planted into the kingdom of God. And Christian, I trust that in our lives we'd be supplying nutrients to others as God has created creation to do. Or are we the fruit of nutrients? Or are we the fruit of carnality and death? I'll speak more this evening, but I trust that God has been working on your heart and you'll ask God to forgive you or deal with the situation, whatever it is in your life that may be in opposition to God. be anyone this morning and you'd be willing to say pastor i'd like you to pray for me i won't call out you i won't call you out i won't call, come to talk with you afterwards about whatever it is that you raised your hand but if you'd like to raise your hand i would be happy to pray for you i won't say the pew i won't say anything but i will pray for you is anyone like that today would you pray for me thank you so much anyone else you'd like i'd like you'd like to say pastor i'd like you to pray for me we would have a way wherein we would be a fruit of nutrients, not a fruit of death. As the music will come to a close here shortly, I trust that you would do, continue to do business with God and think about these truths as we honor and serve the greatest King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, and Lord, I thank you for the principles of, of fruit. And Lord, as we think about fruit being our conversations and 
obviously how that affects other people, Lord, I pray that we would have a fruit that would be the nutrients of godliness for others rather than the fruit of death to others. Well, there's much more to be said, but Father, I pray that these beginning statements, beginning thoughts would penetrate our lives. And Lord, we begin to think about what is transpiring in our life. And Lord, if there are things that we're not happy with, that Lord, we'd confess it as sin and make it right. And Lord, then begin to produce fruit unto eternal life in the effect of others. God, you've called us to be light bearers. You've called us to affect others. And as Christians, God, if we are continuing to live for ourselves and do it our way, Lord, we're only going to yield that which is displeasing uh, and some very unintended consequences. But Lord, I pray that we would just live righteously. I pray for those who've lifted their hand, that you'd uh, help them in the direction that you've led them. You'd strengthen them and guide them. And Father, I thank you for being such a most merciful and gracious Father. And Lord, if there's anyone that does not know you as their Savior, God, please, they're not certain where they're going to spend eternity. I pray that they'd settle that decision. I love you and I thank you, Lord, for being our Savior and the gift of life. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. Seven.